I decided I was going to say God didn't exist because I didn't see it in the people around me. This is a podcast that tells stories about what God is doing right now in the world. We focus on what is happening with, in, or through Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. I'm your host, Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to the Seeing God podcast. Today's guest is Allison Griffiths. Allison is a data analyst for a healthcare company, and she's also a self-described adventure seeker. She tells us about the spiritual impact of Saturday morning grocery store trips. She also talks about Lewis and Clark and what they expected the Rocky Mountains to be like, and really why it's so important to her that people have the chance to know Jesus. I am very excited to talk to you today, Allison. We've known each other for um, not a really long time, but uh, we have some connections from the past. And Allison has a really interesting job. If you could put it in a nutshell, Allison, what is it that you do for your full-time job? I am a data analyst for digital marketing for a medical company, and I get to help people see Um, What are the best choices to make based on the data and the best way to spend your money and to see what's successful and what people are interested in? Um, So I take data and I translate it into insights for our marketing team. And uh, you were just explaining that right now, actually, what you deal with is uh, personnel and you are in the midst of responding to the COVID crisis. So yes. shifts in the way uh, hospitals and facilities and personnel are being used. Yes, all, you know, every medical group across the country is um, shuffling around right now, trying to put every single person they can into the mix and keep everybody safe. I think we are, we definitely are part of that shuffle and trying to provide what everybody needs right now um, in the safest way. And so I would just say that we're, we're, we're trying to take what used to be uh, one way of doing medicine, and in a hurry, we flipped it over to be uh, uniquely designed for COVID patients and um, trying to use everybody in our resource group to, to make it happen. Um, it's really exciting. It's something to be really proud to be part of, even at a distant level, um, to be uh, part of a group of people that, both in my own company, but in the entire medical industry to to see so many people responding to do what has to be done and uh, to do it for no other reason but for the safety of another person this is like the first time in in uh in work i would say where i feel like nobody's working for money like side by side rubbing shoulders with me we're all working to help somebody else that's awesome besides that you have a couple kids ages eight and five i believe yeah. And so at the moment, you're, you are helping to school them at home. Yes. And, uh, you do a lot of other things. But 
What I really would like to ask you is if I said to you, just if you could put in just a really concise way, who would you say that you are? Um, I'm an adventure seeker. Uh, I'm a doer. I wouldn't say necessarily that I'm always bored easily, but Mm -hmm. I'm always expecting something more from, you know, I'm always looking for the next thing to do um, because I know it's out there. So I'm definitely uh, looking for adventure and love a good challenge. So when did you realize that this is who you are? Oh, so early in life. As a child, adventure seekers tend to be <laughs> tend to be harder uh, in in communities. Uh, we tend to be troublemakers. Uh, we ask the question "Why?" all the time, um, and I don't think I ever asked it to be a you know to to try to cause trouble. I actually really wanted to know why. I needed to have that motivation behind what I was doing, and um, I I was constantly pushing the limits. Um, I think. Yeah, from middle school on, I definitely knew that's who I was. I'm not going to accept just like the the standard, uh, the status quo of life. Um, I knew there was more to it and I was going to find it. And I was going to push every line and button until I figured out, you know, what is the actual limits of this and uh, can I go there? So that that's always kind of been my life, even from childhood. You had um, explained to me before that around the time you were in eighth grade, you looked around and being the tester that you are, you said to yourself, this can't be what life is supposed to be about. Yeah, we'd, I'd gone through a lot of transitions, you know, in that season of my life uh, as a kid. My father had transitioned out of, uh, he was a pastor actually at the time, uh, right before that. And he had transitioned out of ministry into the work world, which is a for those of you who haven't grown up in the ministry, that's a huge transition. Um, your whole entire family lifestyle kind of switches over um, into a new a new normal. I think right now, actually, a lot of you could probably understand in the current circumstance, all of a sudden the pace of your life changes um, or the family dynamic changes. And so that was happening in eighth grade. Um, And uh, right after that, within the same kind of couple of years, my mom had been diagnosed with brain cancer. I had to figure out as an eighth grade girl, you know, uh, what was my place in all of this and who was I? And as I looked around my peers, which were uh, people who declared themselves to be Christians, a Christian community, um, I was looking for, you know, something more than what I was receiving. Um, I was hearing from both my adult leaders, but also my, uh, you know, middle school peers and early high school peers, um, the things that they were saying was not translating into the things that they were doing. Um, and it was su- super frustrating, I would say very disappointing for me, as I was seeking to find truth in the midst of chaos, as I was seeking to figure out, um, like the real direction that my life needed to go in and who I really wanted to be with support and with encouragement and uh, with a group of peers that would come alongside me and help guide me in that. And um, I would say all middle school girls are already a rough group to be part of. (laughs) So I wouldn't say I held the bar high, but at the same time, I was hoping that these people who called themselves Christians who said they were living according to this grace, um, that that would be something afforded to me as well. And, um, it was not what I was finding. I was finding a lot of judgment and uh, I was finding a lot of exclusion, pain, painful things uh, in that social circle were happening. And I was just, uh, 
I would say I was seeing immediately that there was a, a disjunct between the things they were saying and, and what was happening in my relationship with them. And it was making believing in this God that they said they followed um, really hard for me while I was questioning, hey, God, like all these things are happening to me as an eighth grader in my life. My life is, doesn't make any sense anymore. Are you really there? And the people that were supposed to, in my opinion at the time, come along and show me that God for real, they definitely were not doing the job and made sure. that whole that whole, you know, season of my life, very, I'd say that would be the confusing time in my faith for sure. How did that change? Well, first I would say is I, I decided I was going to say God didn't exist because I didn't see it in the people around me. So the first thing that changed was I wasn't just going to accept this because you told me to. And that was the the first mental change. I don't care if my parents told me to. I don't care if this church told me to. I don't care if the Bible tells me to. I'm not going to believe in it because I'm not seeing it. And um, I'm not going to believe in something that is is I'm not seeing at all happen in my life around me. So that was the first thing that happened was there was a mental change for me. And a, a, I would say a position of my heart. Um, the second thing was that I had made, um, I just transitioned into high school and I had made some new friends and God, I will say now looking back, God brought a, a friend into my life. Her name was Marsha and, um, she went to a different youth group and invited me along and, you know, growing up in a Christian home, I would say most Christian parents would say what my parents said to me, which was, I don't care, you know, really if you believe or don't believe right now, but this is our home and you're going to still go to church as long as you're living under my roof kind of a concept. So I said, well, I'm not going to go to my old church because I really don't like anything that was happening there. I'm going to go with my friend, Marsha. She's invited me to go along um, with her. And it was the first thing was to an event. And so I went to an event with her um, to help feed and clothe the homeless uh, in Philadelphia. It was an interesting first meeting with Marsha, but uh, over a long period of time, this relationship completely upended what I knew and believed about who God was and who Jesus was. Um, Marsha was an amazing friend. She was a better friend than I ever knew how to be. <laughs> um, she came alongside of me in the midst of watching my mom battle cancer and in the midst of losing a community of peers, which, which is how it kind of felt when I walked away from that old youth group and all those friends and community. And she was, um, she was stand by me um, in a lot of ways. She was willing to walk through life with me um, like no other friends have done before. But um, I'd say the best thing that Marsha ever did was she brought me into uh, ministry, which may maybe sounds a little bit weird. So what that means is she said, you know what? I don't want to just sit here and talk to you about God because I don't really know how much I can really tell you, but I want you to come with me and do some of these things that I'm doing because I think you'll see God here. And um, I would say at that time I was, like I said, kind of closed off to whoever God might be. Um, but Marsha had shown me through her friendship that she was trustworthy and, and she was somebody that truly loved me as a friend. And um, I, I liked the idea of doing things, like I said before, I was a doer. And so the concept of doing something good for my community or the people around me um, was something I was willing to get on board with. Um, throughout my relationship with her, she brought me into, like I said, feeding the homeless. We ran around after our town had a flood and we helped take wet drywall and moldy carpets and serve the community. We just go door to door, helping the people that we could help. 
And um, we took up one special job at our at the church, which was to go buy the snacks on the weekends uh, for the people coming in and out of services to help themselves to. And so these, you know, every every Sunday or every um, weekend, Marsha and I would get together and we'd go to the local grocery store. And that ended up being one of the sweetest uh, things to my life. Um, when I didn't have the words to say or to talk about the things I was feeling with my mom and her cancer journey or the loneliness I felt at that time. I always had these Saturday morning shopping trips with Marsha. And um, in those times we were doing something, we were active um, and she was listening. She was such a good listener. And she would remind me over and over again of what that friendship, how powerful that is to have somebody who just stands with you and walks with you and encourages you in life. But in that time, I would find myself being able to ask her things that I hadn't been able to ask others in a long time. And uh, she didn't always have what I would say is a Christian answer. She, like what other Christians who may be listening to this, you might think, oh, is this when she talked to you about these deep concepts about God and brought you back? No, that wasn't how it was. It was just a really honest answer. I don't know what I, I don't really necessarily know all the answers you need to have right now, but I do know that if you come, if you continue to seek God, that he will show himself. And so that's what we did together. And she continued to invite me into these uh, various service opportunities. And it was in those serving others that my entire uh, world kind of world view changed. Um, and I was able to ask God, like, if you are who you say you are, let show me. And I began to see around me in this community events, how he was providing for so many people. And he was allowing me to be part of that. And um, I was able to see God's faithfulness to, to everybody. It wasn't just the believer, but to see God's faithfulness to everybody. Um, I saw some amazing, miraculous things. But the greatest thing that I saw was I had, I had complete and utter joy and peace in my heart in the times that I would be serving and the times that I would be loving on others that I had never been able to accomplish before. In the midst of great pain and great darkness, um, it was in these times where I stepped in and served through the church's ministries, through um, individual, you know, just friendship and service to my friends and neighbors that God allowed me to feel peace and joy that I had never felt before. And it was in those, in that moment that I realized there, there's something miraculously real about this that I had never encountered before. You were experiencing this peace and joy, you know, in this process of serving and having a friend walk alongside of you. What, what exactly did you see about God in that? So I think the, the sweetest part about this is that God took a friend to give me an example, um, because what I learned about God was he is, he is a friend. Um, he is not a long way off dictating things to me, but he is close and he is near and he um, deeply cares for me. Um, it was, you know, through that relationship, I was able to see that those friendships exist through humans, but then in serving alongside of a friend, I started to see something even more than that could be accomplished through my relationship with God. That though that my friendship with Marcia was very sweet um, and was something that was healing, you know, on a human level, that it was in those times that I started to seek who God was and 
when he answered, whether it was through like reading the Bible and Bible study, whether it was in service and ministry in church, that through getting to know him, I started to realize that he is a deeply close friend. He's intimate. Um, he answered specific things in my heart that I had asked and prayed for, but things that I didn't even know I needed, um, he was providing. Um, like I said, that deep, deep peace um, that I'd never had before or joy. Um, one of my favorite things I would tell people about my relationship with God is that he brings purpose. And there's nothing else that I've ever, and I'm an adventure seeker. There's nothing else I've ever done. And I've done a lot. I've done world travel and I've hiked mountains and um, I've done some really fun things. And none of it brought purpose to my life. Like the presence of God in my heart, in my life, driving me to, to love others. Um, that is one of the most amazing things about um, having God be part of your life and to have um, the work of Jesus Christ, which maybe we'll talk about later, uh, be something that influences and changes, you know, the deepest parts of who I was. Wow. I know that God has done this in you. And I know that you are busy in your community. Could you tell us just a little bit of the way that you see you experience God moving you in his loving personal self. What, what you look like in your community, what do you, what are you active in, in your community? Yeah. Well, um, I would tell you, and just, you know, for those who haven't read the Bible, I would say that a huge, huge chunk of the whole new Testament, the second half of the Bible is, is looking at Jesus life and his call for us. And that is a term he uses as discipleship. And that is basically what Marcia did for me and what then I was able to do for others and other people I stepped in, which is to come alongside somebody and lead them to truth and to teach them what is truth. Um, so uh, that was the way that I was able to encounter God for the first time as a, who he was, who he really was, who, who he said he was and who he really was, not just this kind of image of him through other people, but who he really was, was to be brought to him through friendship. And so I have always loved serving in that same capacity. How can I enter into real relationships with people so that they can see that I am a real person, that I'm a normal person, um, that I am a deep thinker, um, and that I can be trusted, and that it's something that I have tested in my life and have come to find true, and that because of my relationship with these people, um, that they would trust me to say, there is something here worth seeing. Um, it's something that I desperately needed in my life. I could not live without Jesus in my life. And I want desperately for these others to do it. So how do I do that now? What does that look like in my community? Well, the first was, um, you know, my end of high school year, I got into international missions. And I really enjoyed working with other cultures. That's just part of, I think, the adventure side of me. Um, but also being able to become like, you know, have these deep friendships with people. I found that uh, to be something I learned how to do uh, overseas. And so when I came home, I 
instantly started uh, thinking, how can I enter into this? Well, you can want to have intimate and deep relationships with anybody, but anybody listening to this knows that, especially as you get older, finding really good friends and deep friendships is not something you can just be like, I'm going to go find a deep friend today. That doesn't just happen because you want it to happen. Um, So I had to learn to really ask God, who is it? you know, that you want me to, to see today and be friends with today. And that doesn't mean that everybody I am asking and praying to be friends with is like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to like, you know, change this person. That's not how I pray. I pray that God would show me who needs a friend today, who needs love today and not my love and not my friendship because mine is very human and failing. Um, but I want to give them something that only God can give them, which is what he gave me. And um, how, you know, I've been praying is that he would show me every day, whether it's a simple act of kindness to a neighbor, or it is a long, you know, journey with a friend over a long period of time, consistently showing up for somebody. Who is it that you would have me um, be friends with today, show your love to today? And then I also pray that God would allow me to do that. Um, It is not easy. So yeah. yeah, I've been praying through that. So like, how does that look now is God's brought me into some really cool ministries. One is I work with a local refugee resettlement uh, team. And then um, I also have just other similar ministries within the community of reaching out and helping those in need. You do. You have a lot of ways that you are interacting with lots of people. But why is it so important to you that they see who Jesus is. Um, well, I can remember very clearly, and you may say, well, every eighth grade girl is kind of a puddle of emotions, but I would say it wasn't just eighth grade, you know, it was eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, that in that season of trying to figure out who God is, God really, who he says he was testing that limit of who he was. Um, before I walked towards him, <laughs> I was stuck in a very hopeless and helpless place, not knowing my what is my purpose in this life, not having peace or joy. It was dark. And it even on days that were exciting and fun and I did things like play sports or have friends, like even in the happiest of days, there was always a dark shadow because you just you have that question in the back of your head, what am I doing here? What is my purpose here? And it wasn't until, you know, I, I really was able to see that God is exactly who he says he is and that he is faithful to his promises that that ever changed. Um, when I was, when I was able to say, God, I trust you with my life to lead me in that moment, um, that whole shadow disappeared and I was able to live on this earth now, uh, with a completely different, um, center a different grounding. Um, I would say that, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just that, oh, I have found this new focus of my life or, oh, I found this new habit to my life. No, it was that I had found a whole new life and I had found life for the very first time um, to, to wake up with eagerness to see what God is going to do with your day to walk forth without any fear. And that means like, I, you know, fear of, you know, people, fear of the world. Um, when life is hard and it's, it's crushing and I've gone through some pretty crushing times, um, like many are going through right now. Uh, 
to say that I can lay my head down and go to sleep without fear of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that you can't just will for yourself. That's not something you can just, you know, take a deep breath and make it happen. Um, And I'm one of those people who trust, I'm telling you, I'm one of those people who pulls myself up by my bootstraps and makes things happen every day. And I could not make that happen before Jesus was part of my life. I could not make joy happen without Jesus. I could not make peace come before I had Jesus in my life. No matter how hard I tried, it was just distraction. But in the darkness of night, in the quiet of night, um, that joy or that peace would have been lacking until Jesus was part of my life. So, Allison, if somebody is listening and they're saying, yes, indeed, um, my life isn't like she's describing, but that sounds like something I I want or I'd like to explore. Like how How do you get this life with Jesus? How do you get <laughs> Okay. Well... You know, I was just reading a book. I'm actually reading it right now. And it's about Lewis and Clark and their, you know, adventures out west to the Pacific Ocean. And I was taken aback when I was, I'm at the beginning part where Lewis is talking to Thomas Jefferson and they're planning their trek overseas. And they're looking at something that the guy before them had tried to to reach the Pacific. He did sort of, but he couldn't create the trade route. And he made this journal of his journey. And it was sort of, uh, written kind of half-heartedly and someone else kind of filled in the gaps for this guy. And so the journal they got said, um, you know, basically gave them this picture of the Rocky Mountains to be comparable to the Appalachian Mountains. And, um, you know, what I said before is when I sat at the beginning of my journey with God, everyone was telling me about who God was. And it, I got my first interpretation of who God was from people was that you know, he wasn't the Rockies, he was the Appalachians. And I had this sort of small view of who God was. And I thought I knew what it was. And he seemed quite disappointing. And it wasn't until I stood at the base of of this true God, who he really was. And I looked up and I can imagine this is what Lewis probably felt like when he saw the Rockies for the first time. Like, this is not the Appalachian Mountains. And I would say this, that I think a lot of people in America today have had some picture of God painted. I think most of us think he's so much smaller than he is. He is not as intimate or close and that he he is not who he says he is. The first thing I want to say is um, that you need to get the accurate view of who God is. Um, And that, that means that you need to go and see for yourself. You know, Lewis, he couldn't, understand the the magnitude of the Rockies. There were no words to describe it. There was nothing to really help him see it until he got to the first view of those enormous mountains. And for even faithful Christians at our best day with the greatest vocabulary, still struggle to find words to paint the most accurate view of the depth of the relationship with God, of the heights of relationship with God. And so what I say is this, that his call to us is to come and see, to come and see me. There's a, there's a um, Bible uh, story right after, uh, it's, in, it's right after Jesus raises from the dead, which is kind of timely. This week we're recording and we're about to go into Easter. And um, the story is, Jesus appears to his disciples after he is raised from the dead and he's in the room with them. And Thomas, one of the disciples, he could not believe his eyes. He cannot believe what's standing before him. I think, you know, if you don't know Jesus, I think many times you've been presented with uh, an opportunity to say, 
do you want to know more about Jesus? And so Thomas is looking at Jesus standing before him, and he's like, I, I want to believe what this is, but I just don't know that it's true. And this is what I hope everyone hears, is what Jesus answered to him. He said, touch me. Come here. Touch me and see. Touch my hands. Feel the nail holes in my hands. And don't be afraid. You know, I am who I, I say I am, and I'm here. God invites all of us to come to him, questions and all, doubts and all, and say, are you really who you say you are? And be okay to say, I don't know if I believe this. I don't know if what you say is true. I don't know if you, if this Jesus thing is, but I really want to. I really want to know if Jesus is who he says he is. Is he real? Is God really who he says he is? Can I have this in my life like Allison's talking about or Jan's talking about? The first step is to just ask. God says, just ask me. Everywhere, all throughout scripture, he says, come and see, come and see me, come and see. And that all, it starts with asking, God, I, I want to know if you're real. Would you please show me? Is there a second step? Um, so, yeah, there is a second step. So the second step uh, is to understand that just like in any relationship, um, you know, there is a point where you have to walk towards the other person. Um, if you're expecting to sit still in the place that you are and expect everything about you to just change, <laughs> to just, you know, um, to just say, okay, God, like I see you a long way off and I'm just going to say, yeah, okay, I believe you are who you say you are, but you sit in your same spot and nothing happens. Um, that's not the relationship that God wants with you. And I'll tell you a lot of times uh, people might un not understand that, but I want to, I want to maybe stress this point that God, God wants you to have what I was talking about before, which is true joy and true peace, not some cheap version of it, not some false version of it. He wants you to have the truest, realest version. And that only comes from walking alongside of him. Um, the amazing things you see in walking alongside God. Now, I know that term walking with God, I think that's kind of a Christian term to walk with God. Mm -hmm. So I'd say the first thing uh, I would like to maybe define in that is one, it means you have to take the first steps. You have to say, I want to follow you and then do it. And uh, it's not complicated. You don't have to understand every living thing about what the word of God says or who God is to take the first step. You just have to say, I, I want to follow you. And you just start walking. So um, whether it means digging into the word of God to know more about who he says he is. Um, like me, it was coming, having a friend walk me through that journey, mm -hmm. serving him, prayer, coming into his presence. But I have to stress like a, a really important part of this, like I said, is taking the first step is to say that you believe who he says he is. Um, and when you say him, you've been using God and Jesus interchangeably yeah. and you talked sure. about the word of God. Yeah. So you're talking about Jesus. Um, as in, yeah. you're not talking about another god or prophet or some other form of religion or belief. You're talking about Jesus. Yeah. Right? Okay. So the word of God is is the Bible. Uh -huh. um, and Jesus, he declared himself to be the son of God, to be, to be God, to have the powers of God. And so, yes, you can use them. They have three independent kind of roles within the Trinity, but they are one. It's one God. And I would say, without getting really into the weeds on theology, I would just say um, that there is nothing we can do 
and our relationship with God the Father apart from having a relationship with Jesus. He did say that, didn't he? Yes. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Yes. I I say, you know, the best place to start if you're curious about God is just pick up the the book of John in the Bible and start there. Mm -hmm. And you're going to learn all about who is Jesus. Who does Jesus say he is? Who does God say Jesus is? Mm -hmm. And what did the disciples say Jesus was? And so if you're like, who is Jesus? Go read the book of John. Um, and it's incredible. And I think actually for a lot of Christians, uh, go read the book of John, please. (laughs) I think a lot of Christians sometimes lose sight of who Jesus is. Um, we, we are to, you know, we are to follow after him hard. And what that means is to look at his life, do what he did, um, walk in the same power he did. You know, the Bible tells us that the same power that was in Jesus to do all the things that he did on this earth. After we have uh, declared we will follow after Jesus, that same power lives in us. And I think sometimes you forget that. But if you were to go back and look through the, the book of John and read all of the things that Jesus did to love deeply and to listen and to care and to serve um, with great mercy and great justice, um, that those are two things that sometimes seem overwhelming in our humanity to be able to do, but we are promised that we have the power to do those things through Jesus. And it, it comes through, honestly, it comes through just saying, I believe it, that Jesus came to this earth to die for my sin so that I may be near to God. And that seems really complex. So the simple way of saying that is that God looked down on me and realizing that I could not in my own power walk towards God. I couldn't, I couldn't lay down my selfishness. I don't even know how to love other humans well. So I could not learn to love God. Well, I was not able, I was not able to overcome fear. I was not able to overcome selfishness. I was not able to overcome all of the things that can drive us in sinful ways. In his love, God looked down and he said, I will make a way for you to live every day, overcoming those things. And also in that same way for you to be able to come and live near to me. And so it was Jesus that he sent and in dying on the cross, he took all the power of sin out of our lives and arising from the dead. He declared life over us. He said, I have, I hold all, he says, I hold all authority and all power of this earth. And it seems kind of preachy, maybe the way I'm saying it. So I would just say, that all those things I said before that I could not do on my own, all of the things I could not achieve on my own, uh, just because I tried harder or sought harder or just gave myself a lot of pep talks, I could not achieve those things. But because of what Jesus did on the cross for me, he did them for me. And just by believing in that, that he did those things, that alone, just the faith that he is who he says he is and that he did what he did on the cross for me saying, I cannot do it on my own. Jesus did it for me. That alone is enough to completely change your entire life, to bring you into the presence of God. And you will have the greatest, I'm telling you, the greatest adventure you have ever had. I mean, your life will go Appalachian to Rockies, you know, in a minute. Thank you, Allison. This has been really just a great time today. I could talk to you for a long time. In closing, I love this statement that you had made to me earlier, that life with God is different than life without God. 
Appalachians to Rockies. I love yes. it. Thank yes. you, Allison. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. Psalm 107 verse 43 says about stories like this, those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. If you have a story you'd like to share, or you know of someone who does, please go to our website at www.seeinggodpodcast.wordpress.com and click on submit a story. God is doing things all over in all of his people, and we want to know about as many stories as possible. So please do go to the website and submit a story. Also, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode or the podcast in general. You can tweet us at GodSeeing or comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages at Seeing God Podcast. You can also email us at seeinggodpodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced in the studios at Lancaster Bible College. I'm Emma Moore. Our interviewer is Jan Gebert. Our engineer is George Haynes. And our show music is Siberia by Dmitry Lukyanov. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seeing God. Seeing God.